Um, because I can tell you there have been multiple times in my life that I've had to stop and just go, you know, not today, Satan. This ain't, this ain't happening. Anybody else? You've had, to, you've had to utter those words out of your mouth. Not, maybe, how many of you had to utter that today? Like, okay. I'm not talking about you having conversations with your spouse. I'm just saying you, you're talking to the devil, you know. Um, there, there's a fight for our soul. There, there's a fight for us to fall away from the things of God. There, there's a battle we may not see it, but it's happening. If we were to peel the layers of the atmosphere back, we would see heaven, the, the, the God of heaven and the kingdom of heaven fighting against the principalities of darkness. Like It's there. We can ignore it, but it's there. It, it's happening all around us. We talked about that uh, late last year in our, our series, uh, Upside Down Kingdom. But the question is, you know, we, we always feel these attacks from the enemy. We always feel this, this need to, to, to embellish ourselves or, or to, to indulge into our sinful nature. Now, how do, how do we get to a place to where it's not about, you know, not today Satan, but it's about how do, we, how do we fight these temptations? How do we fight the sinful nature that we have? I'm going to give you our bottom line this morning where we're going to be moving forward, but victory or defeat is determined by what leads me. Would you agree with that? Victory or defeat is determined by what leads me. You've got to ask yourself, who am I following? There's, there's a reason that the, the term Christ follower is used. Not just being a Christian. But are we following Jesus, intentionally following Jesus? Have we embraced his commission? Or are we following whatever it is that makes us feel happy? Whatever it is, our, just our lives. And I want, to, I want you to turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Paul's writing to the church of Galatia. And in chapter 5, verse 16, he writes these words. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit, what do he say? Let the Holy Spirit do what? Okay, he could have just stopped right there. But he decides to go on. But he says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. Do you catch that? It's just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation to the law of Moses. I would say it this way, that when... When the Spirit leads, the Spirit fights for me. When the Spirit leads, the Spirit fights for me. But because he's, he's giving me something better than what I want. I think I know what I want. But there's a big difference between what we need and what we want. Would you agree with that? And he says here is that our sinful nature and the Holy Spirit are polar opposites of each other. And they're in direct conflict of one another. Because you can't have darkness and light trying to come together, the light will always prevail. So, so the sinful desires for us are not anything in contrast to what Jesus is trying to give us through the work of his Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it reminds me of a story about a balloon <laughs> that travels somehow from Canada into U.S. airspace and we're all intrigued at this balloon. And then it makes its way over Montana, and then we start asking questions. 
Does nobody else have a problem that we are calling this a Chinese spy balloon? Okay, I was in Israel a few weeks ago, and you know what we saw in Israel? An Israeli spy balloon. And we, we didn't do anything. We just let this thing kind of guide, and, and it was the greatest marketing advertisement ever because every company I know has put their logo, photoshopped it on the spy balloon and posted it on Facebook. So there, there's that. But we just let this thing just drift. And when nobody else had the courage to do anything about it, the state of South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, said, we, we got this. <laughs> Which proves even a Chinese spy balloon can't get out of Myrtle Beach without getting shot. <laughs> and then we decided to destroy the thing. But how much damage has it done in the in-between time? That's our sinful nature. That we just let it drift. We just let it go. And to at some point, it's just destruction and chaos, and everybody else gets affected by it, right? And so here, Paul's saying, when the Spirit leads, the Spirit fights for you. It's a battle. We are in a battle. I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, fallen man is not simply an imperfect creature. We're not just imperfect. We're not just imperfect creature who needs improvement he is a rebel who must lay down his arms because our sinful nature does everything in its power to fight against the things of God. Everything. We are rebels who must lay down our arms. We must fight with the Holy Spirit. And can I just say, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. And he says this, is that Paul's like, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. You would think that this would be simple, but how many of you know it's difficult sometimes to let the Holy Spirit guide you? Have you ever caught yourself trying to negotiate things out with God? Lord, if you'll let me backslide for five seconds, I could make this person stop talking. Anybody? All right. I know there's some guilty people that y'all have those prayers sometimes. He's saying that you, you have to make you have to make a choice. He says, if you will let, it's a choice. Like, we got a choice to make every day that we wake up. Do we allow the sinful nature to kick in? Or do we choose to let the Holy Spirit fill us and fill our lives? Because as C.S. Lewis says, we are not simply imperfect creatures who need improvement. We are sinful, deprived humans. If you don't believe it, just flip on the news. Watch the news for just a few minutes. Think about some of the relationships that you're currently, you have or had, and those relationships are broken now because of sin, because of things that have happened. Paul says it's not natural for us to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us because we feel that we need to be in control. Are you all with me on that? Like we, Anybody feel like you have to have some control? Right? If you don't believe it, ladies, this afternoon when you go home, hide the remote control. Just hide it. And let's see what happens. Video it, and we'll use it next weekend, and we'll show. But people will flip out over remotes. I remember my, my son lost our Apple remote. Right? You, that was before the phone would operate it. So the Apple TV is now obsolete. 
So I tell him, find the remote before you, sir, are obsolete. And we dig, and we dig, and we look, and we look, and we can't find it. And I'm getting more and more frustrated over a remote control at the cost of my kid being chastised for losing it. And for $9.99, we got a brand new remote. And now we have two remotes because we found the other one after Amazon delivered the one that we had ordered. So we are rebels. Our natures, they, they fight each other. So Paul says in verse 16, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And this is my, my translation. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't do dumb things. Right? That's the southern translation. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Because our sinful nature wants to do what's, what's sinful. It, it, it wants its desires to do the thing that is wrong. Because we all have this propensity to sin. Let me, let me paint a clear picture for you. Our kids back here in the back right now, they're being taught about Jesus. But they're also being taught how to share, how to tell the truth, how not to hit each other, how not to call each other names, right? Because don't you have to do the opposite when we're raising our kids up? Is to teach them, hey, we share with each other. Hey, you need to make sure you share that toy. Hey, don't, don't call them names. Hey, keep your hands to yourself. Because... Did you have to teach your kid how to lie? That came natural. And we all started there because that's our propensity. The older we got, the more sophisticated our sinful nature has become. Because it starts from that point. Our, our parents never had to teach us to punch people or to lie. They did have to do the opposite. That is our sinful nature at work. Paul says that we have been born sinners so he's there's this clear picture that's being painted that when the spirit is leading the spirit is fighting for you because he is fighting against the sinful nature and those desires to give you the desires of god's heart so when we're following him we we get these desires that counter our sinful nature okay is, are you tracking with me so far so if you, if you take anything after that, out of that first piece of that verse there, it is this. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Trust Him. He has to be in control. Because you cannot control the Holy Spirit. And churches try to do that. He is fire and wind. The worst combination you can have when you're trying to burn something. You can't control the fire in the wind. We have to let the Holy Spirit do what it is that he will do, and we have to trust him on that. So we progress to these verses. Paul's going to give us a list of 16 different characteristics that, that I would call these are decaying fruits, okay? 16. So starting in verse 19, Paul's going to explain the difference between the way of the Holy Spirit and the way of our sinful nature, the, the way of our flesh. It's opposition of, of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and so he says, our, 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 in verse 19, he says this, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Okay, so here's what he's saying. When you do these things, if you're trying to figure out, am I following and letting the Holy Spirit guide me, or am I being led in the wrong direction by my sinful desires? He said, I'm going to give you a dashboard here, but here's one of the metrics that you're going to know when you're following your sinful nature. And he says this, 
When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impure, uh, impurities, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Okay? Now how do I know if my, my spirit is following my sinful desires? Well, these things are going to be present. In that first list, there's nothing good there. If, if someone was applying to work for you, and this was the things on their resume, are you hiring them? Absolutely not. And Paul says, this is our sinful nature. If you want to know if you're following in the steps of the Spirit, or you're following in the steps of the nature, these are the things. If you'll notice the first three words that he uses here are sexual in nature, because our depravity often reveals itself in that area more than anywhere else. Think about where we are on the landscape of America today. Addiction to pornography, sex trafficking, all these things. And, and this is Paul pushes these first three words out because these are the biggest pieces that we struggle with in our culture, in our world. In verse 20, we find two more words that have to do with corrupted religion. And it comes out of a deprived heart. He says that idolatry, that is us putting anything else before God. Sorcery, which would be us trying to manipulate God through some kind of good luck charm or ritual, or if I'll do this, and then God will do this for me. Trying to take control and control the Father. In verse 21, Paul gives us eight words that describe relational conflicts. He says there's, there's hatred, there's strife, there's jealousy, there's outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, there's envy. And, and he's, he's breaking down these relational conflicts. And then finally, three words that are also found in verse 21 that refer to substance abuse, drunken, drunkenness. Right? He's pretty much brought every character down to our level. So he's saying, if you want to know, these things will be evident. You'll, you'll know who you're following through those things. And then Paul says this, let me tell you again, as I have said before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's, his, that's his main point. The point is your, your soul feels dead and empty and bored. It needs, it needs a hit to feel alive. And, so, and we go to our sinful nature to get that hit to feel alive when the Holy Spirit is the one that controls our, the beat of our hearts for the things of God. Look at what he says in Galatians 5.21. I want to give it to you in an ESV version. The ESV version says this. He says, I warn you as I warned you before. And by the way, in case you didn't know, the Galatian church was in trouble, okay? Because when this is the sermon, or the letter that's being written to your church, this isn't a good thing, okay? And this is not the first time that he's had to address these issues with the people. So he says, uh, I warn you as I have warned you before, that those who do, in other words, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In the Greek the verb there, do, is what we call a present participle. Anybody in English, right? I'm going to have to read this because I'm going to mess it up and get chastised after this because I know there's some of you grammar people. It says, 
those who are doing such things, or in other words, those who are characterized by those things that he just listed. If you're characterized by those things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says this, if you delight in these things, if you pursue these things, you will have no part of the kingdom because these unhealthy fruits come from very shallow roots that we've not grounded into Jesus. So he's given the church a warning to be careful, to not allow your root system to grow and latch on to your sinful nature, but yet latch on to that of the Holy Spirit. So he adds this last little piece when he says, you know, envy and drunkenness and wild parties and other sins like these. Because Paul knew, just like in our day, that somebody was like, oh, he didn't say this. No, he said that too. So Paul uses the phrase, and things like these. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Paul speaks in Romans chapter 7 of his own struggles. And he says this in Romans chapter 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me. Nothing good lives in me. Right? That is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right. Every time I read this verse, it gets so complicated and I have to break it down. Let me know if you're there too. For I have the desire to do what is right, but I don't have the ability to carry it out. For I do the good I do the good I want, but the evil I do is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. It seems like Paul's having this inner conversation with himself. I, I know what is right, and I want to do what is right, but I don't have the ability to do what is right. Well, let's pause it right there. Paul's exactly right. Because to do good comes through the Holy Spirit. So we can try, but without the power of the Spirit, these things aren't being produced. It's like the fertilizer, right? And so Paul says, I want to do what's right, but my sin nature says just to do this and pursue these things that are wrong. And so there's this, again, there's this inter, inner conflict that we have. Because in Colossians chapter 3, Paul will write again, put to death, put to death what is earthly in you. Like you got to kill it. You got to kill sin. Because if you don't kill sin and put it in its place, it'll kill you and put you in your place. And it wreaks havoc. Some of you have, have been in the middle of those times where sin has just absolutely wreaked havoc in your life. You've been in bad places. You've been around people who have been in bad places. He says sin, sin is serious. It's not just a failure or a mistake or a slip up. Uh, I messed up. You know, I was wrong. He, he says call it what it is. It is sin. And it is rebellion against the one true God and its defiance of God's holy law. Max Licato says it this way. Sin is not an unfortunate slip or a regrettable act. It is a posture of defiance against a holy God. That's got some weight to it, doesn't it? It's got a lot of weight to it. Because sin is, sin is not something that we should play with. I want you to think back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve got everything they want, everything they could ever need. Life sustained. 
They're in a really good place, aren't they, in Genesis chapter, one, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2? It's a good place. Adam even got to name all the animals. But then Genesis chapter 3 happens, and all those animals he named, because he had to come face to face with them, now there's a talking snake. And for some reason, Adam didn't think that was weird. And then Eve takes how many bites of the fruit? All it took was one. And here we are. One bite of fruit. And look at Adam and Eve's life from that point forward. They're banished from the garden. The first murder is recorded in the scriptures. And it's just all downhill. God intervenes with his rescue mission, his rescue plan to send Jesus to redeem, to redeem us. We, we, we oftentimes treat sin as if it's not a big deal because it didn't hurt anybody. But it breaks the heart of God because he sent his son to die for those sins. Breaks his heart. So at the end of the day, when we allow our sinful natures to lead, we lose. When I lead, I lose. When I lead, I lose. When I try to do things my way, I lose. When I am dependent on the Holy Spirit, I win because I'm underneath his covering. And the Bible says that God's ways are higher than my ways. His understanding is much more than my understanding. We only see a small portion of life. God sees the whole thing. We have to trust him to lead. The Spirit promises so much more for us that when we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, he produces good things. And look, Paul tells us the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our life. Okay? He says he produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, how many of you sing the Sunday school song when you were reading that up? Yes? Me too. That's the only way I can remember it. And I, and I still messed it up because there was a different word I tried to add in. He says that when the Spirit leads, He produces a kind of fruit in your life. Now, let me ask you this question again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Would you hire that person if that was on the resume? Would you marry that person? Would you let your daughter marry that guy? Hmm. That takes on a different realm when you ask that question. Because when I lead, I lose, but when the Spirit leads, I win. Right? Because there's this production that is happening in my life that is counter to what we just talked about, to these things of knowing that when the Spirit leads, there's true love. When the Spirit leads, there is joy. When the Spirit leads, there's a patience. There's a kindness. There's a goodness. Even in the midst of hostility, these things exist. The Spirit's list is better than the sinful nature's list. Am I right? Like These are the things that you want. So when the Spirit leads, we win. And, and you would choose 
kindness over greed. You would, you would choose love over hatred. And he says that if we follow the Spirit, these are the things that are produced out of our lives. This is the, the starting point for us. That, that if we allow God to lead, these are, this is what will happen. But sometimes we have a habit of reading these fruits of the Spirit. And our temptation is to view this fruit of the Spirit as a to-do list. Like, I need to do these things. Because if I do these things, God's going to love me more. Let me just go ahead and shatter that false teaching for you. There's nothing that you can do to make God love you less or love you any more than he does. And the cross is proof of that. That he, that he loves you right where you are, and he wants to give you your, the Spirit so you can be restored to who you're supposed to be. And that is to get rid of that destructive nature that we have. But we often treat this as a to-do list. I, I really need to work on patience. I really need to work on you fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. Because what you don't know is in the first four chapters of Galatians, when Paul's writing this letter, he says that we are not made righteous by our own efforts. There's nothing that we can do to, be made, to make ourselves righteous. We can't do it. The Old Testament proves that. It didn't matter what they did in the Old Testament. They could not prove themselves righteous. There wasn't enough sacrifices to be made. It was only through Jesus who would come and, and, and die for us that would restore the relationship that would declare us righteous. He's the only one that could store that through his effort. So when we, we look at this, Paul says that we're not made righteous by our own efforts. We're made righteous by the Holy Spirit. And each aspect of the fruit of the Spirit points to Jesus. It points to Jesus. So this is not a to-do list. The more time that you spend with Jesus, the more these fruits will naturally be produced in your life. You ever notice that the disciples, before people recognized that they were disciples, it would be, whoa, whoa, these guys have been with Jesus because their lives were producing something different. They didn't talk like everybody else. They engaged in conversations differently. They loved differently. They were gentle, except for Paul when he cut the guy's ear off, but that was, that was a moment. But the more time you spend with Jesus, the Spirit begins to produce these things. You begin to develop these things. If you go back through that list and you think about it, Jesus is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You see what I'm saying? Paul is just explaining Jesus in just these three words of the Spirit. He says that the role of the Spirit is to make you look like Jesus. And it's a fight. Because some people are hard to love. Am I right? Some people are hard to forgive. There are things that have happened in your life, in my life. It's tough to forgive those things. It's tough to love after what's been done to you. It's tough to be gentle after what has been done to you. And the more we try to fix problems, and let me give you a counseling session right here. We're, we're in session. There are things that you're trying to fix that you cannot fix. Only the Holy Spirit can fix those things. So what does Jesus need to heal in your life for that thing to be fixed? Because that's, that's the only thing that can make you whole 
again. So when it comes to these fruits of the Spirit, if you're going to memorize this list, memorize it less as a list of things that you should do and more of a description of who He is and who you have been called to be. Right? And as you do those things, your sinful nature will begin to lose its grip on you, and you'll begin to move forward. Look in verse 24. He says, Those who belong to Jesus Christ have nailed their passions and their desires of their sinful nature to the cross, and and he crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. He, he says, though, if we belong to Jesus, then the passions, and we already learned that our desires and our passions are to do our sinful nature, but he says here that you take those sinful nature, because Jesus has taken our sinful nature, and it says that in those desires, and he has taken them to the cross, and he has crucified them there. He has put those sins to death so that we can live by the Spirit. So now we're to follow in the Spirit in What part of our life, by the way, did he say? Every single part of our life. we got to stop compartmentalizing our faith and being a believer over here and being a different person over here. Like It all needs to flow. Jesus needs to be central to everything that we do. And so Paul says that our sin nature has been put to death. And we've been forgiven. And now we have before us the leading of the Holy Spirit to follow him so these things will be produced in our life so that we can look more like Jesus. The Spirit leads when I can rest in his promises. Now how are we going to follow and be led by the Spirit? Well, we rest in the promises that he is who he says he is. He's our counselor and our God, our helper. And we can trust him. But, but we've got we've to believe in the promises. We've got to believe that the promises of God are true. As Paul says, they are all yes and amen. I think this is the starting point for every one of us. Right? That we, we have to be crucified with Jesus. Paul will go on to say that I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with him. I've shared in his death. And our flesh and our desires have to be put to death. Notice how Paul comes, he'll come full circle with this in these next two verses. And he says this, starting in verse 25. If, because remember, it's a choice. You've got to make that choice. But if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Think about dancing with this with with someone. You have to be in perfect rhythm. If not, somebody gets stepped on. Somebody's toes get stepped on. Am I right? And he says, if we live by the Spirit, we must also keep in step with the Spirit. Don't be behind Him. Don't get out in front of Him. Let the Spirit lead in the dance. So we keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, because in the church of Galatia there was a a lot of disunity happening, and he says, and not envying one another, that we serve the same Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that guides my life is the same Holy Spirit 
that wants to guide your life. And he wants to see these things produced in your life. So Paul says, keep in step with the Spirit. And you say, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't even know where the Spirit is moving. Well, just pause for a minute and ask him, where are you? Where, where are you moving? You know, the Bible uses this really cool illustration of, of the Spirit. It says that he's like the wind. He blows wherever he wants to. That's really hard to follow, something that blows wherever it wants to, isn't it? But he says it's like the wind. And you know how you know which way the wind's blowing? This morning I stepped outside and I felt the wind and I knew which direction it was blowing. You feel it. You recognize it. You acknowledge it. And then you go that, you go that direction. Holy Spirit, where, where are you moving? And then you go that direction. You move that in your life. You, 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 you follow him. He says, even though your old self has been crucified, even though we have died with Christ, he says, you now have the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that we have that. And if we now live because of the, the Spirit's work, he says, shouldn't we continue to live according to the work of the Spirit? Like, the phrase Paul uses when he says, keep in step with the Spirit, the word he uses here is the word that means to walk in line behind the leader. Like, my son loves coming home telling me he was the line leader for the day. He got to hold the door, and everybody had to follow him. And he kept, you know, he, he keeps the pace, and everybody's got to, and, and if you're going to follow him, you better keep pace because he moves, right? He's, he's five, and he's got a lot of energy. But, all, but you'll see these classes around here in the school, all the little K-5, they, they all walk in step. And they get, and it's oftentimes not, not pretty, but they get to where they're going because they keep in step with one another. And oh, well, they hold each other accountable when they're not in step with one another. It's the perfect picture of the church and what we've been called to do. We're to follow our leader, Jesus, and be led by the Holy Spirit and be in step with him. So Paul is in this first thing of Galatians 5 is we need to surrender control and let the Holy Spirit lead. And for some of us, that will be easy. For others of us, that will be extremely difficult. But you have, there's a reason he says you've got to die to self. Because self says, I need, I need to have some control. But Jesus says, no, you don't. I gave, I gave you a little bit of control in Genesis chapter 3. You see how that works? I'm going to need you to bring it back. So we're going to respond this morning. We're going to sing, sing one more song. And as we do, I just want to challenge you in that moment. Just ask yourself these questions. Am I being led by the Holy Spirit? Am I being led? And if not, why? Why am I choosing to not be led by the Spirit? And then what is he, what is he asking you? What is he asking you? So, Father, I pray this morning, I just pray that we would hear from you in your spirit. God, even in this moment, there are sins that we need to confess. And, God, there are sins that need to be put to death this morning. 
So I pray and that in, this, in these next few moments that we would clearly hear from you. And God, we would surrender our lives to you. And whatever it is that you've called us to, that we would be obedient in that. God, just speak loudly to us this morning. May we walk in step with your spirit. And Lord, we pray these things in your name.